Hi, I'm Dave Barnes. And I'm John McLaughlin. And welcome to Dadville. Dadville is a podcast where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of awesome dadding. It's funny thoughts and deep talks. So please, enjoy your time here in Dadville and enjoy this episode with... Russell Moore. Dadville is sponsored by BetterHelp. John. Dave. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Uh, I sure do. Okay. Although, yeah, sometimes I feel like I get a little over ambitious with my resolutions. How, well, how is that? Well, I just did the math, and all my daily resolutions add up to about 22 hours a day. Jeez. So it doesn't give me a whole lot of time for sleep and meals. Mm, you know? That feels a little overzealous. Sometimes yeah. I can get a bit overboard with my resolutions, too. Mm-hmm. But here's an idea. Okay. Maybe in 2024, we could go a little easier on ourselves, right? Whether it's by being more forgiving with our self-expectations, allowing for more rest, or maybe starting therapy. Oh. 2024 can be a year that we focus on some of the things we're already doing right. I think that sounds great because I think therapy is a great way to focus on the positive and find your strength, mm. right? It is so helpful. Yeah. It teaches coping skills, helps you set boundaries, empowers you to be the best version of yourself. You can be more right, John. And it isn't just for those who experience trauma. It can benefit anyone. That's right. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Dadville today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Dadville. How you doing? Doing well. How are y'all? Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. You, you, uh, the background for those who obviously can't see, which is everybody. Um, what a tremendous amount of books. <laughs> I want to say the couple things. I just want to own up to them right off the jump. Okay. The amount of books, right? <laughs> I can see some important pictures back there. Also, we got a, we got a collared shirt with a sweater over it and some great yep. looking hair. A yeah. salt and pepper there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I just, you know, I feel, I feel so intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> it's, every, it's everything John and I need as musicians to be immediately intimidated. <laughs> well, that's the goal. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's, it's being been achieved, achieved on the third second. Yeah, yeah, it's really quick. Um, thank you. So, everybody, we have uh, Russell Moore on with us today. We are thrilled you are here. Uh, I've wanted, I've wanted this to happen for a while now. I don't know if you know that, um, Russ RM, as I call you, uh, about the city of Nashville. Um, we actually have a few mutual friends, you and I. Actually, a lot more than I knew. And I was actually texting with uh, Dadville alum, Andrew Peterson, this morning. Oh, just yeah. Just like, mm-hmm. give me some dirt. And boy, <laughs> did he, he, he has lots. This is going to be yeah. a tell-all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he tell-all. was restrained. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're so excited to have you on. Uh, thanks for being on. Are you so here? We, you're in Nashville, right? I'm in Nashville. You're pretty yeah. close to us. Hey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I can feel it. Sort of, it's like the, it's like the force. So, uh, Russ, we, we I love that I'm calling you Russ, and we've never even met before. But it feels warm. There's a warm. Okay. The, the sweater invites a warmness that I'm <laughs> participating in, which may be unqualified. I, I'm going to um, go with Doctor Moore the whole time. Okay, Dave, you go one you. way, I'll go the other. No, way. no, no, no. I'm gonna, yeah, we'll just. It's the attention. Johnny Cash mugshot picture behind me. It is <laughs> emanating the warmth. It, yeah, it's <laughs> exactly that. It's exactly that. So, um, we do what we call the brag sheet, but it's really just a bio for everybody that's been on, um, and so. So I'm going to read yours now. And I just got this right from the site because we sort of had one. Our producer uh, put one together, but yours is much more like uh, uh, eloquent. And so I'm just going to read it because it, it sums you up so well as it should. As it should. Uh, all right. The Wall Street Journal has called more vigorous, cheerful, and fiercely articulate. Three things I've never been accused of. He was named in 2017 to Politico Magazine's list of top 50 influence makers in Washington and has been profiled by such publications as New York Times, Washington Post, Time Magazine, and New Yorker. An ordained Baptist minister, Moore served previously as president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, and before that, as the chief academic officer and dean of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, 
We also taught theology and ethics. This already two paragraphs <laughs> feels feels uh, substantial, but there's more. There is more. Oh, that was a pun. Um, Moore was a fellow at the University of Chicago's Institute of Politics and currently serves on the board of the Beckett Law and as a senior fellow with the Trinity Forum in Washington, D.C., hosts a weekly podcast. A co- is it a couple now? Hosts the weekly pod. That's Russell Moore Show. And his co-host, that's right, of Christianity Today's weekly news and analysis podcast, The Bulletin. Russell was president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention from 2013 to 21. Prior to that, he served as provost and dean of the Southern Baptist, I mean, this is incredible, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, where he also taught theology and ethics. A native Mississippian, which that makes two of us, I hope you know. I did know that, yeah. That's me and you. Where are you from? Alexi. Come on, man. Get out of there. What about you? Kosciuszko. Oh, I know Kosciuszko. Okay, okay, okay respect. Yeah. Uh, he and his wife, Maria, are the parents of five sons. They live in Nashville, where he teaches Bible regularly at their congregation, Emmanuel Church. We are so happy to have you on. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thanks for having me. How do you feel when you hear all that stuff? I just kind of zone it out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you were checking email. I get to know. <laughs> That's right. All right. But what's the motivation for zoning it out? Are you zoning it out because it embarrasses you? Or are you zoning it out because you're like, if I get too close to that, you know, it might be dicey for the ego. What, what, what's going on? No, it's not as self-conscious as that. I think I just, yeah, I just zone out. <laughs> I don't, I don't zone out. Yeah. Maybe my subconscious does that. I'm not uh-huh. sure. Yeah. The uh, the things that I'm going to tack on at the end of this that Andrew uh, informed me of, loves old country music, mm-hmm. Batman comic books, which is awesome, and his family mm-hmm. has to hide. This is maybe one of my favorite facts I've ever heard from a Dadville guest, and I quote, <laughs> direct from AP, and his family has to hide the sweets in his house because he sleepwalks and eats it all if he can find it. I sure can. Okay, yeah. now immediately when I hear that, I'm just going to say, <laughs> another thing I'm owning up to, I'm like, Sleep? Are we putting sleepwalking quotes? No, is it really is. It the really story is. you're sticking to. It really is true. And I've had to tell people if I go somewhere, please don't put a gift basket in the room with me, because yeah, yeah. I have I woke up in the morning and looked around. Where are all these chocolate shavings coming from? And it's all gone. No so way. So is that? Do you think that is something on a subconscious level that you're like? Let's say you know you're staying at the hotel after a speaking event. They give you a sweet little bag of sweets and your brain goes, okay, duly noted in my yeah, oh yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what happens. And that's what happens when, uh, if the kids bring in like cool ranch Doritos or something and I, <laughs> I like that, note that it's there, <laughs> yeah. then I will say, hide that. Yeah. And if you kind of see me, cause you can't really tell when I'm <laughs> sleepwalking, I seem like I'm kind of yeah, away yeah, yeah, yeah. and I said no matter what I say to you don't so it's like the werewolf that you know right. chains himself to the radiator at the full yeah, moon yes, yes, yes. Have, you, have you ever like woken up in a hotel room and you just feel terrible yeah. because the thing that you thought were sweets were actually like tiny little soaps or something like that no that has not but I but I did I got my kids one time these uh chocolate dinosaurs. I still remember it even it's been a long time ago. Chocolate dinosaurs in Chicago. And I woke up the next morning thinking that something was wrong, that I was bleeding, like there was blood all over me. And then I got up and realized, oh, it's chocolate and I had eaten all of them. Five chocolate dinosaurs just gone. No memory right. of it at all. Oh had to go. Gosh, the, it yeah. was the blood of the chocolate dinosaur. Yeah, kind of on right. you. Yeah, here too. Right. It, it, it really is. I mean, I'm kind of in awe of the power of your subconscious. It's, it's a formidable thing. It is. Yeah. It, 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 it really, they, they know, um, we're going to hide this from sleeping dad. Yeah. You know, that's just what they say all the time. Have, yeah. have you found the community out there to support you? <laughs> Are there more? <laughs> I've met a couple other people who have I similar thing, but that's it. Love that. There's like some Facebook group where you guys just all like really commiserate. <laughs> uh, but except one is like, you know, it has to do with like cars, which is just wildly more dangerous. <laughs> no, it makes you think right. like, what are the other things? It, there, there could be so many other more useful things. Like uh, you rake 
leaves in your sleep. <laughs> yeah. You wake yeah. up and the yard looks immaculate. You but know. it could be worse too. It could be like <laughs> alcohol or something. Of I could course. be clearing yeah. out in mini like, bars. And, and in your waking moments, you never, you're like dry. You're so dry. <laughs> and then like in your uh, non-lucid moments, you're just like this drunkard. <laughs> uh, that is amazing. There's, there's a few things that I, I'm, we're, we're excited to sort of like bounce around here with you. I think the thing that's so fun about you, Russell, that's really tricky is you kind of, you have so many um, fingers in so many things. You know, it's one of the things that I think is, so fascinating about you is you're not this just kind of like, Oh, you know, he does this thing or he's written these books in the sim, but you really do. You're, you're so rounded. And so as John and I were talking about this episode, I was like, gosh, there's just a million things that I want to talk about. But I think mm-hmm. probably the easiest jump in for me, because I like, as I was uh, Instagram, like stalking you, um, <laughs> I found that, that every picture, it's so funny because again, it just speaks to how wonderfully random your life is. It's like each slide next to the other sort of has nothing to do with nothing the one before. Nothing to do with each other, no. Do you no. know what I mean? Which is really impressive. Uh, and I really mean that. But the uh, picture yeah, of or you- ADHD and, maybe. Well, yeah. Touche. You know, <laughs> potato, patata. Um, but the picture of you of, with Biden and Obama, is that in the Oval Office? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Can, can you, I don't know that we've had anybody on that, John, have we had anybody on that? Oh, probably Michael Ware has, has been mm-hmm. in there, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. But other than Michael, I mean, I don't know anybody that's been in that room. Do, do you feel like when you walk in there, do you feel that? Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. And although, I mean, the first time I ever walked in the Oval Office, the first thing that I thought was. I love this, that you said first time, but it was a wonderful yeah, flex. Yeah. But I thought, you know, this is nothing like the West Wing or any other, <laughs> because uh, almost every television or film depiction of the Oval Office has it really dark, you know, with these. Oh, wow. And that's not at all. Uh, not at all what it's like. But, and uh, President Obama used to keep a bunch of, and I still don't know why, but would keep this big basket of apples uh, in the table no right there. And I used to always wonder, has anybody ever just reached over and started eating one of these apples? I mean, what what is the story? And I still don't know. I would, still, lo- I would love it if like your description, every question we ask you, you're just talking about the candy that was in the room. <laughs> and I noticed there was a bag of rollers just at the, right behind the desk. And that's you looked at them and you said, listen, guys, no matter what happens, do not let me fall asleep. Do not let me fall asleep. So what, what was the, uh, was that a, a meeting that you guys were having or what, how long were you in there? For, for that picture? For that particular yeah, time. Yeah, we were meeting about something. I mean, uh, we would... Um, that might have been that one might have been on refugees, immigration reform, mm-hmm. or it might have been criminal justice. I'm not sure which that particular. This is one again was. what's so impressive about you because right. I mean it's like you have to reference which time and the reason why, which is that's that's I mean, surely you recognize how cool that is, right? I don't know. It's so you uh, just blacked out again. I could tell. Yeah. <laughs> just like when, any compliment. When you step into the Oval Office, that let's say the last time. Uh-huh. Are, is it still, I mean, you've been there multiple times. Is it, is it, uh, are you at the point where it's just another meeting or, or no. is it not lost? No, on you? You're that's, like, a, no, that's the... always, that's always, uh, it, it's always uh, an impressive thing. Yeah. yeah. Are you ever like just slightly tempted to try to steal like a pencil or something? Just something small. <laughs> no, just, no, no, that's I, a lie. No, <laughs> you blacked over again. <laughs> you your eyes. You did that thing. Man. No, you're not. <laughs> Well, one of the things that I I really wanted to to talk to you about, and and I you know I want to be upfront and say I don't, this is not a political talk here, um, and I don't I'm not interested in in talking about your politics, a left or right or any of that kind of stuff. But I I you know in 2016 when you um, were one of the voices of uh, being critical of then nominee Trump. I'm just curious what the a what what was the your headspace before you kind of made some public statements and b what was your experience um post that because obviously you got a lot that got a lot of attention you got a lot of backlash and what was that whole experience like for you well I think there are some people who think 
that I didn't know what the response would be. Mm. And yeah. I knew exactly what the response oh, wow. would be. Um, but I felt like I had to um, mm. had to do that and say that. I say that like it's past tense. I feel like I have to uh, do yeah. that and say Yeah, well said. But the, the first time um, in 2015... Yeah, I knew I knew what was going to happen, but I felt like this this I just don't have a choice here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and that was, um, I mean, it was an excruciating several years on mm-hmm. on many fronts, not just on on mm-hmm. that front, but on many fronts. Mm-hmm. And it also is an it was an unusual um, presidency in the sense that. Well, in all kinds of ways, but in in one sense, because usually when somebody there's somebody who's kind of opposed you, what you kind of usually want to do is to win that person over hmm, and right. you know reassure them I'm really not the person you think I am or that kind of thing, and that didn't that wasn't the way <laughs> it went really. Uh, wow! So that that huh. part was a little surprising, yeah. Hmm. Do you feel like being someone who has been so active in all the the causes that you have um, been championing for so long, you know, this was, you know, back in 2015, 2016, I'm sure you could give many more examples like that where you have gotten in the mix, you know, mm-hmm. do you, do you notice a change in sort of very broadly speaking our capacity for like useful dialogue and discourse do you feel like that's being chipped away at yeah i mean and one of the reasons i think it's being chipped away is because you know one of the things that we used to always say in terms of getting a coalition of people together because one of the things i've done all my life is to work in issues where a lot of times i'm working with people we don't agree on anything else Hmm. We just agree on this. We, hmm. we just agree on human trafficking or uh, refugee uh, uh, resettlement or something mm-hmm. like that. And so this is the only thing we agree on, and we can agree on that together. And usually what I found is if you can take an issue that hasn't been sort of colonized by politics and yeah. culture hmm. wars yeah. and all that – uh, and and work together on it, then usually you can sort of build out from there. You you start to see, okay, wait a minute, this person isn't the devil, hmm. and um, and maybe there are some other ways that we can work together. Problem is now there are so few of those issues because mm-hmm. uh, almost immediately any issue that even comes up is going to be tribalized, right. and, and and it's very very hard to find issues that don't. <laughs> Man, Dave, Jeez, yeah. I want to give a shout out. Yeah. And when I give a shout out, I always I laugh because it just brings me so much joy you to give a shout, shout out to Claritin yes. Yes. for supporting this episode and providing us with free oh, samples. You know it, John. This time of year, my allergies are in fuego. They're mm-hmm. always on the attack, but I use this and you should too. Oh, I do, Dave. Every day in our house. Yeah. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, which is, this is me raising my hand, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill to relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, runny nose, itchy and watery eyes an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. John, I've been taking Claritin D for my allergies for a long time, and it's been an absolute life changer. I can go for a run without my eyes watering. I may be crying, but it's not sure, from allergies. Totally different. And I can sing without feeling like I have like a big old, let's not even call it a frog. It's, a, it's like a toad. It's like a family of toads. It's a family. It's a turtle. Yeah. In my so you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? Yeah, me. I it's know. time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Dave. John, we all love summer, and our oh, kids yeah. especially love summer, but yep. we lose that consistent schedule of when kids are in school. 
and that yep. can create some summer child care problems. You know what? Thankfully, though, Dave, <gasps> there's a solution. What? Windy. That's W-Y-N-D-Y. Listen, it's an app that connects families to college student nannies literally in minutes. These nannies are background checked, interviewed, and honestly, just awesome, Dave. That's right, John. And Wendy has been around for seven years and has been used by over 20,000 families. There are hundreds of qualified college student nannies on Wendy near you, working full or part-time. All you have to do is go to wendy.com slash dadville to start searching for a nanny. And as a special offer, they're going to knock off 50 bucks wow. off your search yeah. if you go through that link. Wendy provides top-notch service, but at a fraction of the cost of traditional nanny agencies Ooh. and no ongoing fees. Okay, so here's how it works. Go to wendy.com slash dadville to start your search. A Wendy concierge will find great matches for your job and set up interviews for you. You can choose the one you like. Get started now because there are a lot of parents out there looking for nannies for the summer. That's right. Go to wyndy.com slash dadville. Because I could, I could see with that background that you just talked about, I could see how you would have a more optimistic view on our country right now because you're like, you know, I'm actually one of the guys that's in these rooms that people don't even think exist anymore hmm. where it's hmm. like, no, 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 these conversations can happen. Do you feel like you have a, are you optimistic of, about the future? You know, if you're looking for somebody optimistic about the future, I'm probably not the person right now. <laughs> I, I might wow. be, I might be, you know, I, I come up and down and it, mm -hmm. it, I may be uh, different about it later. I've got a long-term optimism, but I'm really nervous about the, hmm. about the next yeah. five to 10 years. I'm really, I am really nervous. And, and, and what, what, how does that iterate in a way that, like, what, what makes you nervous about that? Like, how does that play out? Well, I mean, we're out of, we're at a really crazy, dysfunctional, uh, angry, resentful, fearful time. Mm -hmm. And we're also at a point where we've become numb to so much. Um, things that would have at one point been just have dominated everything in shock are now, we, eh, well, well, and we just move on uh, from it. And so um, that is, is happening at the same time that I think there were a lot of people who had this idea, well, yeah, we're in a crazy time, but, you know, that's happened before and there'll be something that fixes it. So there'll be right. a, you know, a lot of people would think, well, there'd be a big national emergency like uh, September 11th, and the country will all rally around. Um, we had a big national emergency, mm -hmm. and that didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's kind of why I'm not. Yeah. Um, now, now here's where I am. Uh, where I am sort of optimistic about this is that I'm with twenty somethings all the time on college mm -hmm. campuses and university campuses, and um, I would have thought. That, you know, a lot of these people have all of their high school years were growing up in crazy America the way we've been for the last little bit. And so I think I might have assumed that most of them would have just adapted to it all. Hmm. And I don't see that, hmm. um, especially among um, – well, I mean in, in general, among 20-something. So I've, I'm, I'm optimistic about that. Because hmm. I, I am always curious um, – you know, like every generation, it feels like uh, it's the world's going to hell in a handbasket, you know? Mm -hmm. So there mm -hmm. is always like, you know, I'm 41 now and I'm like, do I just feel the way my dad felt at 41? And this, right. and, and I, and I'm hoping, you know, you want the answer to be, yeah, everything's going to be fine. Just everybody mm -hmm. feels this way. Nothing's unique, you know? All that kind of stuff, but yeah, and that that was a question that I spent a lot of time pursuing because mm -hmm. I would talk to uh, experts in you know historians, sociologists, psychologists, um, everything you could imagine, and that has been the question I would always ask, which is, mm. are things as crazy as they seem? Wow, or is this just life, and you don't really notice it? until a, a certain wow. point and uniformly, I mean, without one exception, uh, the answer has been, and without any hesitation, no, this is different. Wow. Um, because we're wow. in, mm -hmm. there's, there's a difference that comes with, and there are all kinds of factors to it, but almost everybody uh, will identify 
a social media uh, atmosphere and the things yeah. that then come after social media as being mm. what's distinct. Yeah, yeah, that's well said. And so it's kind of Gutenberg, um, the, the, the difference that's happening here. So because mm. I would always say I would have in, in mind the thought mm. that you just had. Well, everybody, you know, every generation, people think, oh, things are, things are really going crazy. But also there's a situation you can look back at times, every time that is really, really crazy, dangerous in uh, world history, people were thinking, eh, it's life, something will happen. So, right. you know, so it works yeah. both ways. Well, it does seem like, you know, the examples that I go back to to kind of make myself feel better is mm-hmm. like, you know, if you if you grew up in the, you know, I don't know, like in the 40s mm-hmm. and then, you know, lived 41 years, like the amount of things that happened like in World War Two and all the wars and the assassinations and Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. all this stuff. There's a lot of crazy, really huge events that have happened. Mm. But I do think to your point, it does seem like what's what's unique now is our inability to kind of come together, you know. Our discourse with each other is is just worse than it's ever been. To your point, Russell, it's like I think so much about the social media has given everybody a microphone. And a megaphone, really. Like literally every human that wants one suddenly can have really pronounced thoughts, whether they have actually wisdom or knowledge about those thoughts. And yeah. so and, and you also when you have people who are lonely and disconnected, hmm. and most of America right now is lonely and disconnected. Wow. Nobody actually stays that way. Uh, you, you, you can't live that way completely isolated. So what a person wants to do is to try to find a, a semblance of community. Mm-hmm. And they usually are finding it online somewhere. Mm. And then you have this sort of, um, you have this tribe of people that you, you're not ever with in regular life mm-hmm. about anything that doesn't have to do with whatever it is that's bringing you all together. And so to remain part of that tribe, you have to parrot back um, what it is to be in that tribe. And so the, the very act of proving that, you're, that you belong leads to more and more extremism. And Man. that's that's a, a lot of what's uh, – that's a lot of what's happening right now is it, it – there, there's there are not um, – people don't have parts of their lives that are separate from – whatever is is right yeah. in front of them in social media mm-hmm. and that and then the other thing is i mean there was a study done several years ago about um if you look at these social media platforms look at x formerly known as twitter um most people on that platform this study showed are actually normies hmm. they just don't post or they don't stay because wow, yeah. you you have the um, you have the sort of mobs that come on there and the trolls that come on there and that's incentivized and the normies leave. Yeah, now, that wouldn't really matter if it were about um, just social media platforms, but that's what's happening in churches and neighborhoods and mm. families and other places, and so it creates more of the loneliness, which then creates. Um, people have to have another hit to try to make it better and they go back Mm -hmm. to the yeah it's it's i've talked about this i'm I'm beating a dead horse bit but i think i said this a couple weeks ago on one of these podcasts but i think one of the things that i keep learning the older i get is that the, the plan of the church by god is such a genius move because in making us we're meant to be communal things right mm-hmm. and i think the danger there's just such a tremendous danger when we uh, cut ourselves off from community. And I think one of the millions of reasons that it's so wise is what you just said, that idea that like when we get too much distance, you can start to reframe and make up stories and these things that literally just sitting with a human being can change just physically seeing somebody. Cause all of a sudden you're like, Oh yeah, that's like a guy with kids and mm-hmm. you know, who likes pizza you know, it's like mm-hmm. it, it changes from this sort of thing we cook up in our brains. And so I think one of the most genius things that God did in making us was going, hey, that you just you need to be together. Like there's a million reasons for it. But one of them is what I think you're saying is this thing that loneliness really does create these crazy um, 
you know, live lives we live in by ourselves and make up all these rules and things about people that just being around people can almost single-handedly eradicate, or at least really give some friction to your thoughts on those things. Yeah. And and you need to be needed. And I mean, Mm. I think of, um, Mm. Wendell Berry was talking one time about, um, his community and why it actually wasn't as polarized as a lot of places. And he said, it's because we're a really small community. We're, we're, we're way away from everything and we need each other. And so you have to have a kind of prepaid forgiveness. Uh, in in that kind of a world, and that's really true everywhere. It's just that's you can so notice it in that. In yeah, that situation. that's beautiful. That's really sad. How how have you navigated? I mean, to your point about being, you know, like John said, with, with the last election and, and you being in that political space, so much being in the Christian space. Like how, like I look at your career and your life, and I feel like personally, you've done a really good job of navigating that. Like I feel like. <laughs> well, I do, well, I do, you know, um, I think, I you know, know, well, but like, how, how have you done, like, what is that like to do that? How have you walked that line? I mean, you know, it, I, I'm sure it can't be, especially like you said, it's not like it's gone away, you know, some of even from 16 or whatever, you know, I'm sure you're still dealing with a lot of backlash, not even now, but I mean, how, how, how do you walk that like you do? Well, I mean, it's not so much, um, backlash from that as I mean it's ongoing and so yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's an ongoing situation and we're not um it's just lash we're just yes yeah, just lash. <laughs> um you know I think I think part of it is I I hate uh conflict um wow I actually hate uh, Jeez, controversy you, I, yeah, you could have picked yeah. a different uh, path there yeah I know I, I, have, I have friends who really do actually enjoy um not because they're they're pugnacious or quarrelsome people, but right, it, it right. just sort of gets their blood flowing. I'm not that way. I don't mm-hmm. like it at, at all, really. But um, I also know that you know I was a 15 year old who was going through a deep spiritual crisis, wondering is all this just a game, hmm. and is all this really just about something else? And what what helped me through that is the fact that there were people who were models from a distance that I was able to say, okay, well, that is a way of being Hmm. that at least gave my imagination something to consider and something to to look at. Um, And so I'm just, I'm constantly thinking about the 15 year old Hmm. people, uh, you know, whatever age they are, who are going through that, that similar situation. And in order to say, you're not crazy, and yeah, this is yeah. this isn't um, th- this isn't the way for everybody necessarily, yeah. but it is a way. And yeah. I think the problem is there are a lot of people who think they have to choose between false alternatives, and so you end up with yeah. a bunch of and uh, either ors where there really are both ands, and you have a lot of both ands that are are, are present where there really should be an either or. Yeah, and that's yeah. all of that's mm-hmm. confused, and so that's that's kind of what I'm um, yeah. what I'm trying. Hello, Dave. Wow. Okay, yours was yours was better than mine, Johnny. Thanks. Are yep. you loving this warmer weather? Summer mm. is just around the corner. Dave, I am so glad that you brought that up because the weather has been so great. Mm. I'm playing tennis, yep. right? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting outside on the porch Gosh. in my tennis shoes, <laughs> going for walks yep. in my in different shoes. I don't, yeah, I don't I walk say, that's in just shoes. too far. Yeah, I mean, it's so nice. And honestly, I don't really want to be spending too much time in the kitchen making meals because there's so many other John, things John, to John, do John, outside. John, John, John. That's yeah. where Factor comes in. You can fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, so you can spend more time outside. Okay, it sounds good, but Dave, let me ask you a question. Okay. Can I meet my wellness goals in time for summer with Factor? <laughs> I hope you've got goals and then more goals, John, because we call you Cristiano Ronaldo. Soccer joke. Hey, yo. And guess what? And then some, John. It's going to be just fine. Factor has chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. 
Dave, that sounds so awesome. You've talked me into it. I'm ready. Wow, that was easy. I'm ready to kickstart my routine with 35 different Good meals gracious. and more than 60 add-ons to choose from, Goodness Dave. Did you know that? I'm educating you now. <laughs> and these are restaurant-quality meals like filet mignon, Ooh. right? Mm-hmm. Shrimp. Mm-hmm blackened salmon. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or simply eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash dadville50 and use the code dadville50 to get 50% off. That's five zero. 50% 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code DADVILLE50 at factormeals.com slash DADVILLE50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. To do. Do, do you feel a pressure from knowing that you're kind of one of the, I think about team, Tim Keller in this way, but like, you know, one of those people that the it feels like the world has sort of gone, okay, you're going to be somebody we you know, seeing in calls to get the Christian perspective on that. I mean, what, does that come with sort of a baked in pressure or like, do you feel that or is yeah. that liberating and exciting? Or, yeah. You it, know? It, well, it, it's, there's a, pre- there's a pressure to it, but you, um, I mean, what I'm always having to sort of remind myself of are the overhearers. That's really who I'm talking to mm-hmm. uh, all the time. It is not so much the people who are right in front of me, but the people who are overhearing. So, Mm. um, for instance, um, you know, usually when when you have somebody out there who's uh, completely disconnected from any religious connection, but they're starting to be interested in it or starting to ask those questions, they usually don't say anything to anybody about it. And as a matter of fact, they usually kind of argue more vigorously. Mm. We're trying to protect ourselves, and so we argue mm. more vigorously from something that's going away in mm. us, and that can work the other way too. Uh, so those people often are overhearing and, and trying to listen and to say, what is uh, Christianity? And at mm. the same time, I know there are a lot of Christians who are uh, overhearing to say, some of them to say, can I really be a Christian? Hmm. Uh, or uh, some other people who are saying, um, because everybody's got to do, you know, I had somebody say yeah. one time, how, you know, how, how, what kind of pressure is it to be, you know, talking to Anderson Cooper or Jake Tapper or somebody like that about these? I said, well, everybody really has to do that. I mean, you, you have to talk to people who, are, who don't share the same hmm. religious faith that you do. You have to do that. Everybody has to do that unless yeah. they're just completely yeah. enfolded in some sort of a, um, a sheltered world. You, right. We all have to do that. So it's mm. for people who are overhearing to say, okay, what what are some possible ways that I could think about doing that? Even if they say, oh, I don't want to do it that way. I'm going to do it a different way. But it, it puts the process of thinking it in their mind, I think. Huh. Yeah, that's... What do you think of, um, you know, obviously many, many people are going to hear your statements on something. If you write a, an article or, or you get on CNN and you're talking to them, whatever you say, there are many, many people who are like, this is, this guy's representing a whole group of people. And I think that's always an interesting situation to be in. And I, I'm always curious about that person, what, how they view about that. Like, is that fair that we ever put that on anyone? Because you have, you can really only speak for yourself. This is, mm-hmm. these are your thoughts on any given subject, but mm-hmm. you must know that that's how it's, that's why they have you on, you know, because you are giving the thoughts on whatever X subject from this perspective, you know, do you, mm-hmm. how do you feel? What's your relationship like with that? Is, do you think that's fair that that's put on you? Um, I don't really think that that's put on me because um, if you just – if you look at, say, secular America, um, most of the voices that they are hearing from a full-bore Christian (laughs) perspective um, usually almost always fit in one category. 
Um, mm. And so I'm usually the person who is saying, actually, there's a there's a there's another <laughs> way to to think yeah. about this yeah. also. Yeah. Um, and so it's not. I'm I'm never in a situation where I think, okay, I'm the only. Um, picture of evangelical Christianity that anyone's going to see. As a matter of fact, yeah. it's usually the opposite. It, it's uh, I'm worried about people who only see one version of evangelical Christianity and assume, hmm. well, if I is. say no to if I say no to that, that means that I have to say no to Jesus. And I, hmm. I don't think that's the right choice. I can't I can't imagine with your you know like John brought up a while ago the stance you took with. Trump, I can't imagine how obviously hard that's been, but also I would imagine it opened a copious amount of doors for people who were like, wait a second, what? Like, mm-hmm. I thought I knew what this was and it counted mm-hmm. y'all out. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they're like, well, okay, well, let's engage in conversation because I didn't know we could even have that conversation. Uh, absolutely. And, 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 that, and that causes, um, I mean, I uh, find myself in situations where I'm, people are asking me about the gospel and the Bible, who mm. were never interested in the gospel and the Bible before, that but so who are able to say, but wait a minute, why um, Why are there people who believe this stuff, but who mm. don't? Um, Do I that. mean, and, and yeah. the same thing, it's not just with the political stuff, but with the uh, scandals that we've seen over the past several years and all of those kinds of things. Mm. Yeah, it uh, that, that's the, I mean, I was I was teaching um, on a very very secular uh, college campus for a semester a uh, year or two ago, and I w- my students were all I mean virtually without exception all sort of agnostic a- atheists, but who had never really even thought about it mm-hmm. uh, and had never been around a religious person before. Wow! And what? I mean, I was I was probably the first evangelical Christian any of them it, had ever met. Wow, wow! And what they wanted to ask about were all theological questions. Hmm. I mean, they were. I mean, it was problem of evil. It was um, how does a person have a relationship with God? It was all hmm. of those kinds of things because it was strange enough for them that. It, it didn't feel like they were inviting. I mean, a lot, you know, there's a certain kind of cultural context where you ask, if you ask somebody about their faith, it's kind of like finding the, the Amway salesman and saying, hey, do you know anything <laughs> about products? And you, you're right, kind of, right. so they, but they weren't even, that wasn't on their yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. mindset. It was, it was just, we are, you, wait a minute, you actually... Um, you actually think this dead guy came back to life? Yeah. Um, so Th- those are such invigorating conversations. Yeah. Like we have a friend who grew up in England and she's a dear friend of ours. And we have the most fascinating conversations about God because she has no context for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it makes for such wonderful, like non-biased takes, you know, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite conversations to have. So, so being married, um, if a new so if a new married couple sat down with you, you've married thirty years, five kids, and said, "What do we need to know?" What do you think you would say to them? I mean, I th- one of the things that I would, one of the things I do say to them is if I'm if I'm taking a couple through, pre- don't you do you do yeah you yeah. do premarital counseling yeah. yeah if I'm taking a couple through premarital counseling, a couple things that I do, one of them is to say what I want you to do is to do this homework assignment completely separately. Uh, and and come in and bring it with you, where what you're answering is, if I were going to have an affair, here's how I think I would go about hiding it. Whoa. And here are the sorts of things you should do to look into it. The, the, the reason I do that is not because I, you know, nobody knows exactly what they would do. Right. But it, it, the initial response is always, oh, I would never cheat yeah. on her. I would mm-hmm. never cheat on him. He's my soulmate. And you're like, guess what? I'd never do eat a bunch of chocolate uh, dinosaurs. <laughs> that's right. But but what I'm trying to do is to show them from the very beginning, you you have vulnerability that you need mm-hmm. to be uh, working on. Wow. And um and and the other thing is to say to them, you really need to be working through problems in the really really good moments, and nobody wants to do that. 
because you don't want to mm. sort of you know disrupt a nice dinner together right. when you yeah. but that's actually the time not when you're in the middle of some sort of a a fight with each other that's the time to say you know when you say you're acting just like your mother that mm. here's how i respond to that something like that where the temperature's way down Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that would be, that would be one thing. And then the other thing that it, you know, it probably isn't good for everybody, but it's worked for us is we, and we don't think we ever talked about this. We just kind of did it. Somebody's always the stable one, um, at, at any point. And so, and sometimes you, one of us will, will kind of be sort of falling apart a little bit and then see the other one and say, oh, wait, it's your turn. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, then yeah. we, you just kind of click, kind of kick into this um, this more chill mode, and that's that's worked. Oh yeah. So this year will be thirty years for you guys, is mm-hmm. that right? Yeah, this May. Yeah. So how? Like, I mean, I imagine this is a very tough question to answer, but I mean, looking back through thirty years, are there? Can you kind of see an arc of how your marriage has changed? Not really. I mean, I, I think I, I think our marriage is the same now as it was in 1994 in all kinds of ways, except that it's deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think. And and you know, one of the things I think about all the time is, and and I will say, um, I'll see people who you know are divorced and they're they're marrying somebody else my age, and I'll think, you know. I don't know what I would do without the sh- uh, shared history mm-hmm. and the shared stories. I mean, even apart yeah. from everything else, mm-hmm. having been through so much together to be able to just talk about things with a kind of shorthand, we mm-hmm. both know what we're talking about. Right. Yeah. That would be a huge loss. And I can't imagine starting that all over again. So there's this whole sort of uh, infrastructure underneath that we don't really think about a lot or, or talk about a lot, but it's all there and it, it shapes and forms who we are. And mm. that's that's just a big part of it. And it's it's not something that's really examined often. And I find one of the problems that I tend to have and there'll be these minute moments where it'll kind of break through is that I kind of take things for granted. Um, and then there'll be these moments like at Christmas this year, um, all of my sons were around the table and uh, Maria was there at the table and I was sitting there and just for a m- second, it was like I was outside of myself, mm. kind of looking mm. in as mm. an observer and was thinking, you know, there was a time when they told us we would never have children and mm. I was anguished in mm-hmm. praying for children mm-hmm. and look yeah. wow. and I take it for granted. Mm-hmm. And if my 27 year old self could see this scene, mm-hmm. he, he would have said, okay, I don't care about anything else, mm-hmm. yeah. but yeah. that's, that's enough. And right. so sometimes that'll, that'll break through. So you have five boys, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the age range there? From 22 to 12. Oh, okay, 22 to 12. So you're still, you guys are still in the thick of it a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, yeah. we have uh, two high schoolers and a middle schooler now, about to go mm-hmm. into middle school. Yeah. Jeez. And, and two are adopted, is that right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what are your, two. I mean, I'm, I know you have, you know, lots to say on this. What, what are maybe a couple of things that, that, um, you wish that people would know about adoption or maybe some things that you have experienced that maybe you were surprised by that people might not not know about that process uh, well i i think there there is a sense in which people don't know how difficult this is and by people i don't mean the people who are adopting i mean usually the people who are around them Mm-hmm. who know that the process is, is is difficult, but who really don't understand the unique kinds of um, mm. parenting and 
all of those unique challenges that come with that in mm-hmm. order to kind of help them and to, to shore that up. I think there are a lot of people who don't, who don't get that yeah. and who don't understand it really, even, even in the best of circumstances. Yeah. Um, it's very, very difficult. And you really mm-hmm. need people around who understand there are things that, there are certain parenting things that would would work fine in normal circumstances, but wouldn't work mm-hmm. here. And I think there mm-hmm. are a lot of people who who don't get that. Yeah, I think yeah, my that. my guess would be um, one of the many many things that you guys as parents would have to kind of navigate would be. You know, I I have two daughters and both of them, you know, as they have grown up, they're eight and 11 now, like you see their little personalities and you Mm -hmm. see how, you know, you just get to know them, right? Mm -hmm. And with anyone who also has adopted children, they they have a history, they have ties outside of this house, Mm -hmm. you know, outside Mm -hmm. of my wife and I, all that kind of stuff. And so you're sort of i'm sure there are lots of uh families that might think you know what we're gonna do the whole like sort of colorblind thing we're like we're ignoring that they are part of this family you know and i think i'm sure that that works for a while and then maybe that doesn't work you know and how do you navigate that specifically well i think i think one of the things is often what people assume is What's difficult for somebody is what the person remembers or is used to. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of people like us, I mean, we adopted our sons when they were um, a year old. And they they don't remember anything about uh, Mm -hmm. any of this. But there's so much that happens in that first year Hmm. that that means there needs to be a different kind of attention given. Um, That's that's part of it. But the other part of it is... uh, Children are unpredictable, no matter how they come into uh, the family. I mean, nobody is just a kind of mix of genes. Hmm. And so, um, you know, I, I will talk to my wife a lot about with all five of our sons to say, you know, they're all basically who they were when they showed up hmm. in the sense that if you had said to me, here's a description of of each of your sons as teenagers or young adults, um, I would have been able to tell you who was who uh-huh. when they were born. <laughs> so oh, they're all the, yeah. and that means that you can't, um, I have one son who's really hard on himself and mm. super disciplined and, you know, uh, and I, I, most of what I do with him is to say, hey, just chill out. Just relax. Just mm. don't be so hard on yourself. And I've got another son who's just very uh, kind and and open, um, open minded toward everything. Who might tend to have a different problem, or I would have to come yeah. and say, no, no, no. This is you know, let, let's think about the more black and white here. Mm. Um, and so you, that that's the case, really, regardless of how somebody how a mm-hmm. child comes into the family. How, how with the five of them? How have you noticed? And, and has, there may not be a difference, but with your oldest child to your youngest, have you noticed any differences in your parenting between those two? Yeah. Well, I mean, some of it is that with the first two, because we were adopting two kids at once, both with separate kinds of, of needs and, and issues, and we they were our first kids, so we thought, well, this is just what parenting is. Oh, and wow. so we plowed right into it and... Um, didn't think anything of it. When our first biological son came, we said to each other one day, this is so easy. Why wow. do people complain about this? And we have said every, every time. Uh, so that, that, of course, was going to be a big difference. Yeah. But also, I think the thing I've learned the most about parenting is what to not freak out about. Hmm. Um, so there, wow. there are a lot of things with the, the older kids where what you're freaking out about is not so much what's happening right there, but you think, oh, is this the beginning of something, uh, you know, <laughs> totally. awful, and we've got to get totally. it right now. And then as time goes on, you're just like, eh, that's what seventh grade's like. 
You know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's so true. That's so true. So th- there's a there's a book been written, and, and I don't even know if you wrote it anymore at this point, but it's called Onward, Engaging <laughs> yes, the I Culture. Did that. Okay, good. Just this is me fact checking uh, without losing the gospel. How I, I'm I'm so curious about this. Like, how do you encourage your children in, in that way? Like being people out, you know, out in the world that, as you said, is getting it's just different. It's so, I mean, especially from, I feel like even I'm 45 and when I grew up even feels so different. Like how do you encourage them in engaging it? You know, and, and you said it so beautifully, especially when you have kids, like we all do that are so different, you know, some mm-hmm. that may be more open-minded, some that are really disciplined and, and, you know, in that book, like how do you walk through doing that? Like what are, what are some of the ways you've engaged that in your, with your children? Well, I think I think most of it is not about sitting down and saying, okay, here's how you handle this and here's how wow. you handle that. Most of it is about modeling a certain way toward the world. And so it's, wow. it's kind of similar. Um, when I was teaching ethics semin- in a uh, seminary context, y- you would have people who w- what they wanted was just give me the right answer. Mm-hmm. to human cloning and, you know, whatever, all the right answer, all these things. And what I was tr- wanting to do instead was to teach them how to think about something and wow. how to approach something because the things that they were going to face are probably the things that nobody's thinking about right now. Yeah. And so a, a, a general, more general way of trying to, to walk through that. And so I think a lot of it is modeling and then a lot of it is not being afraid to talk about stuff. So when something comes up, I think, I think for a lot of, especially Christian parents, when a question comes up, sometimes there's a sense of, oh no, here's this issue. <laughs> I'm not ready call. to talk about it. And I yeah. have to be re- right now, if I mess this up, I have messed up their entire yeah, so, lives. And yeah. And that you know kids can read that and, and what they can read is they're they're really scared. Mm-hmm. Um and so if you if having the ability to say I don't know mm-hmm. uh is is often a uh, I don't know but let's let's try to think about it and figure it out. I mean yeah. that's that's often the best answer. Yeah. yeah. John and I laugh so much by the way. I mean like because our kids' ages are there, I'm like we are constantly living in the fear. Like that was it. That was the one question. And now, question. Yeah, you know, one. they're going to live in an alley and you know <laughs> right. sell beanie babies for drugs. It's going to be a whole thing. Why yeah, you know, what? you think about it in your own life. How much? Um, there are very little things. My, I lost my dad uh, three years ago. There are very few things I can think of where my dad told me something and I'm holding on to it. Wow. There's a mm-hmm. lot more where I'm thinking to myself, what would my dad have done in this situation? Hmm. Wow. And you've seen him in some other, and even when it's things where I wouldn't do it the same way, hmm. it it helps you to find your own way. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, that's, 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 that's what so I think is most important. Yeah. That is well true. Said. You know, I've never really thought about that in that specific context, like, thinking back on like how many are there any big issues that i'm like well no i've felt this way on this topic for 30 years because my dad said something in 1993 you know Mm -hmm. i mean i think there are a couple of those but they're they're all sort of like very trite things yeah you know like oh i I didn't think we liked that restaurant you know right 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 but i don't know what it is about i mean i guess it's because our our children are the most important things on the planet and we would just die without them but we have parents snap to such a pessimistic outlook so often you know i think it's a common trend when we have guests on the podcast who have kids who are like out of the house and they're they're further down the road from us it's always a more laid back like like you're saying like don't view everything through like, okay, this is a fork in the road. There's like two options here, right or wrong, and you got to get this right. I don't know yeah. why we so easily snap to like that worldview of parenting, you know? Yeah, and I think I think it is because they're they're so important to us, and also mm. because it's hard for us to notice those stages of um, development. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a great. Uh, and, and you know, and even I'm pretty laid back uh, with stuff, but I, uh, my 
now 18 year old, just turned 18 year old, uh, was driving by himself to Cleveland to see a concert that he wanted to see. And this is what he wanted to do. And, you know, we were, and I was, I, I let him. And then I was like, man, it's Cleveland. I don't so know. this is the, the third. So this is the one right yeah. in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And okay. I, was, I don't know about Cleveland. And my wife said, you were literally running comms for a congressional campaign at that age. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, but not and, in and, Cleveland, and, sweetie. Not in yeah, Cleveland. Honey, we stayed and, way afar. Yeah. And, and, and you just get, I think it's hard to, you look, you look in, <gasps> and say, it's hard for you to realize, it's easy for you to realize when you're 19. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm not a baby. I'm right, able to, right. um, and it's very hard for you to see that when you're the parent of a 19 year old. Right. Yeah. Now, yeah. would you have let your oldest son drive Run to Cleveland cops. at 18? No, 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 I don't think so. No. I don't think. And so. your youngest <laughs> will probably go next <laughs> that, that's year. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's living there. He just moved. To yeah. <laughs> he is, he's never coming home. Yeah. Um, so, so, uh, uh, one more question, then we buckle up for the lightning round, Russell, because this is, it's a real doozy. Um, we, we obviously have so many parents that listen on this podcast. And I know this is kind of a, a global question, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sort of pandering to the pastor in you. Do you have, like, if you had encouragement for parents right now, you know, in this day and age, um, like, what's the word you would give those people listening of encouragement? Well, I mean, I, I think I would I think I would say similar to what we we've just said. Don't panic and mm. don't waste um, don't waste your life with your kids in a constant crouch of anxiety. Mm. And I mean, there's there's a, a really important book coming out by a friend of mine in uh, February or, or March talking about uh, why you have such a spike in anxiety. Uh, among teenagers, young adults. And the one of the key reasons is because you have anxious parents. Yeah. And you have anxious parents not because of, of some, you know, flaw in them, but because they're thinking, okay, I've got to get this right. And what if I don't get mm-hmm. this right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so you just, you waste a lot of time in a counterproductive mm-hmm. sort of way. And the other thing I would say is pay attention to who you're, kid is Hmm. and that means that you're going to respond very differently Hmm. to each one of them i mean i think i'm a completely different dad to each of my five sons yeah isn't that fascinating i love that that's so good well here we are right at the light just uh poised right at the precipice here of the lightning round um so russell buckle up here we go here we go all right i'll lead us all are you going or me are you going I actually, Is I it, feel like you need to ask this question. Okay. Because <laughs> I've already had a snap on the book. What is the book you haven't written but want to? I, at one point, I would like to do a, a big Christian ethics uh, at one point. Oh, wow. And at some point, I want to write a novel that I've kind of been working on I wondered on about that. Mind. I wondered about that. Yeah. When no. you mentioned Wendell Berry, I was like, oh, I know what that mm-hmm. means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Those scenes so, are there. Yeah. So it's, I remember reading Jaber Crow crying. Oh, man, Jaber Crow. Crying at the end of that book. Yeah. Like, it ruined me. Yeah. That's great. So we've mentioned, I think, at the, at the top that you're a, a Batman man. Mm-hmm. Fan, Batman, man, um, <laughs> Batman, man. If you were going to be Robin, <laughs> I love this question. To one of the Batman, which Batman would you be Robin to? Oh, which bat? Oh, you mean uh, you mean one, one of the movie uh, Batman? Mm-hmm. See, he's already discredited. See, yeah, <laughs> yeah like, already oh. discredited that. Yeah, uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, and, and the the problem with that is I'm just not a movie person and i tend to get disengaged with movies quite a bit oh, look at oh, you. so i you know my wife laughs that i watch movies five minutes at a time if i'm in control oh yeah yeah yeah. five yeah. minutes at a time yeah. and then i go on um but i mean in terms of the in terms of i might say michael keaton just yeah. because yeah. it would be fun to be with michael keaton yeah. no, no, apart doubt. from yeah. batman no doubt I'm with he's you gonna have that. some good well uh all right the next one best batman villain um, best Batman villain, I would probably say Penguin. Oh, tell me why. This is fascinating. And is uh, it just Penguin or is it Danny DeVito? No, I'm well, not even thinking of Danny DeVito. I didn't think of Danny DeVito, but, but Penguin himself. I mean, I think, um, 
he's he's an interest an interesting backstory, really cold blooded. Um, not as chaotic as Joker, but chaotic enough. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really. I love how especially the way there's a there's a writer Tom King, the way mm-hmm. he writes Penguin, um, is is actually terrifying, and yeah. mm-hmm. it, it yeah, might yeah. be one of the scariest. Yeah. That's so fascinating, yeah. All right, favorite old country record? Oh, record. You mean an entire set of songs? Oh, well, I'll tell you, this is not what I'm saying is the best, but it's the one that if I had to just have one, it would be. Mm-hmm. And that is there was a live, um, I think it was American Storytellers is what it was, that VH1 or somebody uh, did mm-hmm. years ago with uh, Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson doing their songs and talking, you know, about their songs in between. And I love that album. I Mm -hmm. so miss that format. I know. Genius, genius format that was. Because it was like, not only did you get the, the, the songs and stories, but the, but the, um, arrangements were always so cool yeah you know yeah. it wasn't the thing you're used to and especially um, with those two because you oh, have yeah. johnny cash you know sort of voice of god gravity and you know, willie nelson probably just come off of a weed yeah. filled oh, yeah. room but Bender. uh yeah, yeah. it's very chill and relaxed yeah, yeah. and it's a, it's a yeah. good combo nice yin yang okay uh, a couple more most embarrassing uh sl- speaking slash guesting moment Oh, I don't know. There have been so many of them. Um, <laughs> you know, I, at one time I I was speaking somewhere at a con, at a conference or convention or something, and I had my son Jonah, my fourth son. He was about seven, and he was traveling with me. And the person who introduced me said, I was going through the bio, and they said and he has his son Jonah with him, who he adopted when he was a year old. Well, Jonah's biological kid and i just had to get up at the mic and say you know i normally don't do i correct this do i not i say you know i normally don't correct bios but i just don't want jonah to sit there for an hour oh thinking why didn't they tell oh me this backstory so. <laughs> he's like all of a sudden you have the new penguin he's like <laughs> that is hysterical yeah. what a great quite a great moment. all right last question if you wrote a book on being a dad, what would the title be? Mm, what would the title be? Abba. Mm. Love that. Jeez. A oh, great band, too. <laughs> um, thank you so much yeah, for this taking was time so great. hanging with us. Anything, before we let you go, anything you want to plug? You got uh, anything coming out that people should know about or? Or pay attention to? Well, there, I would always like for people to become a member at Christianity Today. And they can do that. Oh, there website. it is. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's so great. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on. It's so fun being with you. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on Nashville. You know? Yeah. yeah. Walking about. That's right. In the Batmobile. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> see you. Dad, please.